We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is late, and it is uh, good still to be back for another Friday edition of of the show, which today is a special post-game report edition of the podcast. Yeah, you know, it is it is great to be back. I think um, it, it's, it's frustrating, <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we need to be the therapist for our audience. You know, last year yeah. we, we did this a lot. We talked after losses, and it'll be all right. I think if, if anybody were to tell you that the Packers were going to be three and one after the first four games, you'd be pretty happy with it. It is disappointing, of course, how tonight ended, but we will jump into all of that as we go. Yeah, yeah. I tried to keep my positive, you know, tone at the beginning of the podcast, but we are both a little bit disappointed coming right off the motions of the way that tonight's game ended. And we'll get into all that. But Andrew had the tough task tonight of being our boots on the ground right there at Lambeau Field. So I'm just curious, you know, I, I'm kind of shocked, honestly, that you have any voice left at all, Andrew. How was the experience tonight over there at Lambeau? Yeah, I'm I'm really I, I had a great time. I always do when I'm at the games. I, this this was a weird week. 
it is crazy busy at work and I, I work in higher education and this week just happened to coincide with a lot of really busy events. And so I have been talking to people nonstop over the last three days. I probably put in over 30 hours and I didn't have a lot of voice coming in and I have almost no voice coming out. I, <laughs> I understand. I sound a little bit like Macy Gray and, uh, you know, we'll work through it. You, I, I've, I've said before, you, you got to be tough to be a football player and uh, you got to be just as tough to be a podcaster. That, yeah. That's not that's not true. <laughs> I should I should probably get a lozenge or something. Yeah, I can uh, talk for a second if you need to like go get a, a lozenge or something. I, <laughs> I just like that word. That's all. Yeah, but I, you know, overall, I, I will I will say this. We'll we'll jump into the atmosphere of the stadium a little bit. But it Thursday night games are a little bit different. You get a little bit different crowd. It was it was loud at times. It wasn't at times. I think people had a little bit too much time to pregame, um, and so it, it 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 could have been a better stadium atmosphere. But I think the play of the Packers took the fans out at times. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I saw that you said that it was pretty loud on that third down play that Kevin King broke up, and so that was you know you felt like that was the opportunity. That team kind of had to get back into the game so like you said probably came and went in waves but uh, we'll you know continue to wait and see how uh, the fans live up to their job as uh, being some of the loudest in the game that's the goal right Um, but like we said it is late but we are here and uh, um, we are coming off this official score of of the end of the game is 34 to 27 Um, and what was really a great game close all night long lots of entertaining football tonight but uh, we did get into some particular details of the game uh, later in the script we wrote down here we wanted to get to but let's just start with some of our impressions uh, from the fans perspective because we're fans first and foremost so Andrew um, as you're there you know your emotions we talked about the stadium energy but you know we're coming off a loss so how you holding up in general here well and it's funny we we I, I do want to explain this a little bit because I am as ill prepared for a podcast as I have ever been. <laughs> I don't even reason. totally know what we're talking about as we're going through. I'm trying to keep up. I left the stadium approximately 25 minutes ago. <laughs> so we we got out, me and the my friend that I went to the game with, we walked to our vehicle as quickly as we could got really lucky. Uh, I'm close to an exit. And so we, we booked it as soon as the, the interception was really like clarified and got in the vehicle. The traffic wasn't bad. And so we are running with this podcast to try to get it out as quickly as possible. I would say, you know, the energy was really high at the beginning. I think, you know, people maybe did a little bit too much pre-gaming and and lost some energy as the game went it waned at times people were cheering at the wrong times um <laughs> i will say there were a lot of eagles fans there so third downs weren't always quiet oh when the packers had the ball there were some people who maybe had a few too many combined with some people where i finally heard some of the frustration from the old guard of the sit-down crew, and usually mm. in my section that is not a problem. But tonight there was some grumblings. There were some people that were looking to security to address it because there was a lot of standing. So I like the energy for the most part. You know, certainly the game was a disappointment overall. I, 
you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the specifics. I thought the line play was completely dominated by Philly, and that tends to drain the energy of the stadium. There were some interesting things I heard. I was listening to the radio post game on the way home, and there were some very aggressive callers slash people tweeting in or or emailing into the shows talking about coaches with words like trash and overrated and things like that. So if we're there, wow. if you are one of these people who are saying wow. Matt LaFleur can't coach, he's overrated, Mike Pettin has been getting too much publicity, <laughs> you're probably going to want to just hit stop oh, on this podcast now because being the tempered people that Kyle and I are, I don't think we're going to quite go there. There's certainly some things to vent about, but – I don't think throwing this season in the trash is probably the best idea four games in. Yeah, 15 minutes post-game is probably not the best time to call into your radio show and invent your uh, your frustration. So, Matt, or, uh, I just called you Matt. I'm talking about Matt LaFleur hey, over here. <laughs> I'm not talking to Matt LaFleur. If, if I was even... 50% as handsome as Matt LaFleur, I would take it. Again, he looks so good in that crisp white hat and, the, you know, just the polo. He's, he's pulling it off really nice. He's, he's doing a good job. I got to say, the white pops even in person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, anyway, Andrew has told us, you know, it's good to be there, good energy, kind of, like, inconsistent. But I'm just going to say, this was a close game. It was a frustrating game. It was a stressful game. And I think it's okay to acknowledge all of those elements that were present in this one. Because from the very beginning of the game, it just kind of felt like it was going to be one of those games that was a little bit tense. And I don't know. I felt like... we might maybe get some fights in this one. I just kind of felt that way from the very beginning because just right away we had some of those late hits. Uh, we had a lot of face mask penalties, a lot of personal fouls, and it just felt like the Eagles kind of came to play a little bit dirty. And maybe coming, you know, on the road, you just kind of feel like you got to add that little bit of a uh, chip on your shoulder coming into a stadium like Lambeau. But of course, that's annoying from a fan's perspective because of how those things impact the game. But the biggest thing is that you don't want anyone to get hurt. That is always the biggest thing and of course Jamal Williams did get hurt on that late hit from Derek Barnett and we hope nothing but the best our thoughts and prayers are definitely with Jamal Uh, but it's always scary when you hear neck and you hear head injury and those kinds of things Uh, but in addition to that hit Darius Shepard was lit up on a helmet to helmet on that punt return MVS was ripped to the ground by his ear hole on a play Aaron Jones was thrown to the ground after the whistle and then they got Adams on a face mask as well on that free play and I don't know if the scoreboard really reflected this through the game at all obviously it was really close but it felt like especially for the first half maybe a little bit even into the third quarter it felt like the Eagles were just kind of holding on for dear life they were getting the points but it felt like the Packers were really kind of um, doing things that they just were trying to like figure out how do we keep up and somehow they were able to but uh, Devontae Adams stats really reflect that but I think the Eagles penalty yardage also reflects that the Eagles had 93 yards in penalties and many of them were personal foul penalties just trying to do enough to keep up 
while the Packers were figuring out this offense. And let's not forget that there should have been another big flag on Devonta Maddox, the cornerback who gave us a textbook example of what pass interference is that could have and I believe should have been reversed on that Matt LaFleur challenge. And then the Eagles are celebrating this victory. Honestly, you know, that's a hard-fought victory. Good for them. But the Eagles' backup cornerback was draped all over MVS on that last play of the game. And so uh, we can't play what-if games. We're not here to make excuses about penalties. But, man, it just kind of felt like this was a game that was full of penalties, maybe some lack of penalties that should have been called, and that they just kind of played too big of a role in this game and it just just that's kind of probably why a lot of fans feel frustrated and why a lot of fans are calling in on those radio shows right now trying uh to make peace with this but uh, even in the midst of the loss there's some really fun moments in this game i love the mercedes lewis hurdle over the defender Devonte adams high step was hilarious uh, just to see what he was going to get on that free play the extra yardage there uh lafleur throwing the challenge plant throwing the challenge flag uh, with some enthusiasm chucking it to the to the ground there just saying I want to take another look at this lots of fun moments in this game uh, but in the end unfortunately no W at the end of the night so uh, it's all with a grain of salt there so uh, you know a tough night all around I guess so if I understand correctly we're going to go through the offense and then we'll talk a little bit about the defense so Kyle what what did you think about the offense's performance tonight as a whole yeah, I mean, it really seems like the Packers wanted to come out and feed Devontae Adams. They started things off with that big completion down the sideline. A throw from Rodgers was an absolute dime. Um, and then it was really just the Devontae Adams show all night long, as long as he was able to be out there. Uh, Adams finished the night with 10 receptions and 180 yards. So coming out, you know, they wanted to get Adams going. They had success there. So that was a big win. That's what they wanted. Uh, Jimmy Graham. Graham had a really good night. Graham is also really weird. He's really frustrating to figure out because he is so um, frustrating as a blocker. But he had a couple really big catches in this game, and we can't ignore that contribution. Uh, he had a clutch catch on third and seven early in the game. And, of course, the huge touchdown catch in the third quarter to tie the game at 27. Um, and then we talked a little bit off air about you know his ability just to open up the middle of the field tonight. So, again, it's the good with the bad with Graham, and it's up to the floor and these offensive coaches going forward to put him in positions that positively impact the game. Because we saw tonight, he still does have that ability. Um, now, although you are kind of hoping that Jimmy can make those above-the-rim circus catches down in the end zone you know, in the fourth quarter to go ahead and close the gap and put this game in, in a place where it's winnable. But uh, again, a weird deal all around with Graham, but he did prove his value a little bit tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you saw there, you know, live in person. I, I actually, I have a comment and then a question for you because obviously in the game day experience, you don't get to see the TV, TV angles. You don't always get to see a lot of replays on, on different things. On the first trip to the red zone where, where they had the, the four plays from the one yard line on the first play. Uh, the fade to Graham, it looked like Rodgers maybe didn't give him an opportunity to box the the corner out. Like I would have preferred to see that thrown more to um, Graham's inside mm -hmm. instead of having to go up and try to high point in a contested catch. I, I think yeah. that's a really difficult play to make even when you have a huge size advantage. That was my impression. On the, the final play, I... 
I didn't really see what happened. It just seemed like the ball got wrestled out and I didn't catch a replay. So was that the case? Did, did the defensive back just pull the ball out? That's a good question. I'm trying to remember. I know I'm, I'm picturing him coming down. Um, you know, the ball's there. And both of the times the ball arrived and they were both going to be very difficult catches if he was able to make them. But you're like, okay, this is the guy that you want in those contested catch situations. I'm trying to remember if the if the defensive back had a hand in there or okay. if, if the ball is just kind of like – it wasn't a simple drop, but it was like one of those things where like, okay, he's trying to gather it. So I can't remember if it came it, through it, traffic. It seemed to me – I mean, I'm pretty far away. I'm on sure. the opposite five-yard line. But it, it it seemed like he maybe had the ball for a second and then it yeah. got torn away. It didn't look like a straight drop and and right. But it but it's never easy to tell without seeing a replay angle. So certainly something that we'll yeah. we'll get some feedback on and yeah. and I'll get to see when we or when I rewatch yeah. the game. Yeah, both of those plays just like where you just have a sliver of hope that you're like you know if anybody can come up with that catch, it's your big you know six foot seven tight end that you want to yeah. make those plays, but just couldn't quite seal the deal tonight so jimmy graham good night but just really would like to see him make those plays just to uh, have a spectacular night all around but um aaron Rodgers was fun tonight he was 10 for 10 to start the game and ended with 422 yards two touchdowns and that weird tipped interception at the end of the game but Rodgers also gained some yardage on the ground uh, we saw him use his legs to the tune of 46 yards, which is, it's good. It's nice to see Rodgers' legs looking fresh. But unfortunately, I believe, I have to ch- double check this, but I think Rodgers might have also led the team in rushing, which isn't uh, good news for your running game. Uh, we talked about Adams, you know, having a really good night, but he wasn't the only wide out with a really big night. I, I let out a pretty big scream that might have woke the neighbors when Geronimo went up, up and away to make that big catch above the two defenders. Uh, of course, they went on to connect with a touchdown right after that uh, to make it a 21-20 game. But maybe even more importantly, that was a big, huge, uh, it was a swing of momentum that the Packers really, really needed. The Eagles kind of had the momentum going in to halftime if you don't make that play. So uh, MVS also had a huge catch late in the game on a pass that was slightly behind him that really put the Packers in good position to come back in this one. Obviously, that didn't end the way that we'd like, but still a good night from the wideouts in general. But, uh, I mean, it's – yeah, go ahead. I, I was I was just going to say I just looked it up, and Aaron Jones had 13 rushes for a grand total of 21 yards. Oh. So I am not a mathematician, but according to what I'm looking at, that is 1.6 yards mm-hmm. per carry. That would be not getting it done. That is not that- that's a major done. yikes from the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, I knew there, I knew it wasn't pretty, but I didn't have an idea it was that bad. I I can't remember the last time I saw just like a straight handoff go for negative four yards, but got to see it tonight. So yep, yep. you know, not the kind of thing that I would like to see in the future, but definitely not the best performance that we've seen from the offensive line or Aaron Jones. 
Yeah, I, I guess we should talk about some of the negatives here on the offensive side of things as well. Um, the Packers have had so much fortune in these first three weeks in avoiding turnovers. Uh, but the Eagles found some success there tonight, and they really did get a big one on that strip sack just before the two-minute warning before halftime, which, of course, turned into a Jordan Howard touchdown. So that one was huge, gave the Eagles some life there. So that was really, really unfortunate in a place where the Packers have been so solid in protecting the ball. But uh, you're talking about the running game, so let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I bet Matt LaFleur's biggest concern tonight would be that he'd like to get a little bit more push from his offensive line to help Aaron Jones get things going. The offensive line has been really pretty solid this year. Aaron Rodgers praised their pass blocking last week. He said it's the cleanest jersey he's been in a long time after the game. But, man, it seems like the run blocking is still kind of a work in progress in this new system. Uh, Last year, it seemed like Aaron Jones had plenty of room to run. He just kind of lacked some opportunities. This year, it seems like he's getting those touches. But there's just really nowhere to go. I'd be really curious to see where the Packers rank in the NFL in yards before first contact in the running game because I bet there's some serious room for improvement there. But uh, I love the use of the screen game in the fourth quarter. You know, they couldn't get things going on the ground, so they just kind of started dumping the ball off to, to Jones in the fourth quarter there, and they got some good, good yardage there. So uh, kind of fun to see them kind of adapt in that way. Um, but the offense definitely left some points on the board, especially in the first half when they're settling for those field goals. Um, I liked what I saw from the offense over, you know, over the course of the game tonight. It was fun to see see some of that, but uh, definitely not uh, where you want, especially the running game, to be in this game. So some interesting things that that I've pulled up, and you know, if you told me before the game that Green Bay was going to give up one sack to Philadelphia's defense for the entire game and that Carson Wentz was going to have 160 yards passing sign me up for that yeah I'd say all right Green Bay should have won that game especially with the way that Aaron Rodgers played however (laughs) there's a big butt here right yeah this is uh this is not so great jordan howard 15 rushes 87 yards that's a Mm. 5.8 yard a carry average miles sanders 11 rushes 72 yards that's 6.5 yards per carry Mm. yikes yeah that's rough yeah i mean we have to talk about the Injuries definitely played a big role in this one for the Packers, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because we talked about how early the Packers lost Jamal Williams, and that's a big, big deal, right? Um, So, I mean, that obviously is going to play a huge factor into your running game and those kinds of things. But then Brian Balaga is not divorced from the running game's conversation at all. Obviously, he's a guy that you put out there to create some space for the running backs. And uh, we had his injury at the end of the first half, and we saw Alex Light come in. Um, And so it was interesting to see that Alex Light got that time at right tackle and not Billy Turner bumping from right guard to right tackle. So a little bit of an answer there to what the Packers think of Alex Light. Um, And then Devontae Adams, as big as his night was, he was not out there at the end of this game when the Packers needed him most in the red zone. Uh, He had what looked like a hammy tighten up on him or something, but then later they said that they thought it was a toe injury. And obviously that clearly changes your play calling in some must-score situations. So hopefully this is not a lingering problem. Obviously that's where your attention turns now. Uh, But no doubt Devontae Adams not being there um, was a big, big deal um, for this offense at the end of the game. 
Yeah, I saw Adams after he made that catch. He immediately started reaching for his foot and he was stretching it out. So that that was a cause for concern immediately because historically when receivers are reaching for um, any sort of leg uh, type of injury or, or indicating that they may have a problem there, it has been bad for the Packers. Okay. And so I, you know, I thought maybe he's just cramping up because he was so overutilized yeah. tonight, but that, that obviously wasn't the case and he wasn't able to return after that. Yeah, sure. Hey, so I thought of you tonight because um, Sandejo was out there. You know, he's no longer a Viking, but he is he is a Philadelphia Eagle. So um, got lots of love on the broadcast from from Troy and from Joe Buck, and uh, made a you know a play on a tip pass that, that in, in, it affected the game in a positive way. But then he also ended up knocking out his own teammate at the end of the game there. So I just thought of you and your uh, your love for Sandejo. Yeah, I did try to tweet at you. I don't know <laughs> if it went. I don't know if it went through or not. But I, I the tweet said, "Remember when I called Andrew Sandejo a scumbag on the podcast?" <laughs> and we thought maybe that was a little too harsh. But no, in fact, he is and has kind of always been. I think that's justified. This is a guy who looks at the NFL trying to actually do the right thing and take care of their players for once after doing the wrong thing for years and years and years and ignoring the problem. And then comes out with a customized make football violent again hat, like a total Neanderthal. And (laughs) when you play dangerously, you not only risk the players on the opposite team's health, you risk your teammates' health, and you risk your own health. And that is what chased – this is going back, but for the Washington football team, they had a safety, Brandon Merriweather, who first knocked a Packer out of a game, got a 15-yard penalty, and then knocked himself out of a game on another 15-yard penalty – and I said, this guy is too dangerous to be playing football. And Anderson Dejo is too dangerous to be playing football at this level and really needs to be out of the league, period. Yeah, I, I thought of you tonight when uh, I saw him. I was like, oh, we're just going to have to queue up the Sandejo conversation again because it doesn't get old when we talk about this is – everybody knows that football is a physical sport, and we love it because it is. But there is a line of which the NFL is trying to protect the players because – they do a dangerous job, and when you make fun of that by saying that it needs to be more violent, you're just accentuating a problem and really not caring about the things you should care about. So we can yeah. move on. But. <laughs> and, and you don't – I mean, the, hitting somebody hard doesn't necessitate you launching yourself head first through the air like a missile. And I really hope Avante Maddox is okay. Who knows at this point? I, I mean, from, from being there, you, you don't really – get a a very good vantage point but it didn't look great i will say probably if you factor in elevation i'm you know 150 yards away and i heard the helmet to helmet contact and immediately i turned around and said that's bad yeah you you shouldn't hear things like that from that far away (laughs) and especially two guys colliding head first into each other it's it's scary and um you know very seriously i i don't think you know that that should be tolerated. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
I guess we should uh, talk about the defense because... We, yeah, and I want to apologize to you because I brought up some stats about Philadelphia's offense at the total inopportune time, but, you know, it's late. No, dude, it's good. The Packers dude. look sloppy tonight. I'm being sloppy on the podcast. We got to talk about how sloppy oh. the, the defense was because Wait. they've been so solid for three weeks now. So we just got to make up for it. After I led in with some stats at an inopportune time, now we'll talk about the inopportune defense. Yeah, nice. Good transition. That's good. I mean, I was nervous right out of the gate with this one because we've been so um, – we've had such great praise to just heap on this defense for three weeks. And then they came out and it was very obvious, very early that Jordan Howard and uh, the other running back who I'm blanking on the name of. Miles. Miles thank you. Thank you. Um, Miles Sanders. We're just kind of going to have their way um, to the tune of five point some yards per carry, as you said, Andrew. And uh, so that was concerning right out of the gate. And that continued for most of the game. Um, Adrian Amos, I'm going to be curious to see how he grades in this one. Uh, he had some consistent plays where he, you know, got in and created, uh, stops that could have been bigger plays, but he got beat by Ertz a couple times on, on some plays. Uh, Ertz is a good player. So that's not, you know, that's not a little thing. Like it's obviously something that you're going to, you're going to lose some matchups here and there, but, um, he did stop a big play from, turning into a first down when he stopped Wentz on a scramble. Uh, but I'm curious to see maybe some player grades on Amos to see how he fared in this one. They played pretty well, honestly. The defense played pretty well for the first half. They, they held their own. The biggest problem was the running game and, and stopping that. But uh, then it was it was the big uh, um, misdirection plays that created some success for, for the Eagles. But then they capitalized on that big kickoff return. And that's kind of where the floodgates open. And then it just kind of seemed like they were able to stack some success from there. But um, I would like to just talk about Kenny Clark quickly. I'm curious like how his night was because his force up front has been so dominant in these first couple weeks. I'm not sure where things got off the rails in the trenches, but it was very obvious, as you said a little bit earlier, that the Packers were losing this game in the trenches um, as much as they were having success in other places. So curious to see how Kenny Clark grades out after this one. Uh, he had some nice plays, but also uh, just curious whose responsibility maybe some of that softness up front was. Not Jair Alexander's best night. Uh, Jair uh, lost a, a battle to Jeffrey for a touchdown, and he just seemed a little off tonight. Now, Alexander is a player I love. I think he has clear, obvious traits that he's a player who's almost always in phase with his receiver. Tonight, there were just a couple times where you saw him just a touch behind where you'd think he'd normally be. So just interesting. Uh, Alexander, not his best night. Kevin King had a huge pass breakup on a two-point attempt in the third quarter. That was a really, really big play. And then King had another big play in the third um, on the third down to uh, break up a pass and force a punt. That's the one play we talked about earlier uh, where the, the stadium was really loud after that play. Um, King was highly criticized this week, and so I think a lot of people were kind of wondering maybe if he'd lose some snaps to some other cornerbacks, but he responded with a pretty strong game tonight. So uh, Tremont Williams had a really nice pressure on Wentz. Uh, this defense was one that... It wasn't what we saw the first couple of weeks, but it wasn't terrible until things kind of started to fall apart later in the game and the Eagles seemed to be able to score at will. So I don't know what it felt like in uh, the stadium there. If you have any observations from, from being there and seeing this defense. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly frustrating when the crowd is getting loud and you think you're you're giving the defense a little bit of an advantage and you get ramped up and all of the energy in the stadium is really positive and then you get gashed for a six-yard run on first down. Yeah. Yeah. And then on second down, you give up four. And then you give up another six. And then you get beat for a 15-yard play over the middle of the Ertz. And it just seemed that the Packers were constantly off balance, that whether it was Mike Patton's scheme or the play of the individual players, that they just seemed a little bit off balance, that they could never quite counter what the Eagles were doing. So if it was a run situation, they were always one player away from making the play. Some One of the defense linemen would get washed out a little bit. The linebacker would be half a step slow. If it was, you know, the RPO, you would have the coverage player take a step forward towards that RPO action and then get beat behind by usually Zach Ertz, but, yeah. you know, whoever the player was. And Carson Wentz only had 160 yards passing, yeah. so they weren't torching them. It was just always at the opportune time. So I don't think the Eagles really outplayed the Packers tonight. Yeah, their offense beat up this Packers defensive line. And guess what? Next Sunday, much better offensive line, mm. much better running game. Mm. Maybe yeah. a better offense all around. So yeah. they better get that fixed pretty yeah. darn quick. Yeah, hopefully they take it as a chip on the shoulder just to come back and prove that they are the defense that we saw the first three weeks. Um, but, yeah, as you said, that the run defense was the hardest thing to watch. And honestly, like, every time they threw the ball, I was okay with that because I felt like every time they handed it off, it was six yards. So, like, yeah, let's, like, take our chances in the passing game and see how it goes. But frustrating night because it didn't feel like the best team necessarily won. It just kind of seemed like that's kind of where the chips fell. And obviously credit to the Eagles on making the plays that they had to make. But uh, just kind of a weird game tonight all in all. But really quickly, Andrew, I just want to see we, we give out some awards sometimes uh, at the end of the show. So let's really quickly do this because it's it's not a winning week. So some of these are kind of tempered. But let's talk about if we had to give a Packers MVP award out. Uh, who are we talking about in this one? I certainly think Devontae Adams is the obvious choice. He he seemed unstoppable at times, and the Philadelphia secondary was really beat up, and that was a story coming into the game. But it just seemed that they had absolutely no answer for Devontae Adams. And there were times when, you know, a few of the Packers drives that stalled, I thought that they should have just stuck with the passing game and used the running game as the counter to that instead of always using the run to set up the pass because there were too many times when they were just giving away first down and sometimes, you know, moving themselves back on first down. So I would have liked to see them stick with Devante, who is just on a completely other level than anybody else who is in the game tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like this offense is still trying to figure out uh, how everything works together because you had like hyper Devante Adams time tonight, which was good. Uh, but then it seemed like they kind of like went away from it at times with them. They got like hyper Jimmy Graham at the end there. And then up to tonight, 
neither of those things were really going. So trying to find some offensive identity going forward for sure. But an incredible night for Devontae and really fun to see his skill on display. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, and this is kind of boring, but I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers had a really, really good night tonight. When he put up 422 yards, obviously he has the interception on his stat sheet at the end of the game. Not really his fault. Um, you know, he carried this team on a really a high scoring offensive night, which hasn't been the game script through uh, the first couple weeks of the season. So fun to see him have a good game. And even with the loss was having fun at times out there making some plays. So good game for Aaron Rodgers. Um, let's talk about one more award tonight, and then we'll call it call it a show. But um, who's a player on the rise for you, Andrew? Somebody that may have showed up in a way that you uh, didn't expect, or maybe you see have a growing role role going forward. I don't have an answer for this, but I will tell you, I'm going to switch your award, and you can do player on the rise. I'm going to talk about person we miss the most because I was <laughs> just thinking about this as Zach Ertz carves up the Packers. And the running game is dominating the Packers. We miss you, Raven Green. Mm, yeah, for and real. And I will admit I was very tempered in my expectations of what Raven Green could be. I always thought that he would just be a really unathletic version of Josh Jones. And instead, he was a big difference maker. Mm. Granted... I don't think he's a star player. I think he's surrounded by some really, really good players. And he just fit his role so well. And the Packers don't have anybody on the roster that's going to fill in there. I don't think B.J. Goodson is going to grade out very well tonight, though I don't know that for sure. But we'll see when it comes out. I don't foresee him making much of an impact and I think he's just sort of there so if Oren Burks can get healthy that would be great to see if he can fill in that role but they need a more athletic linebacker really soon to fill in those shoes you do yeah, do you have a player on the rise you know I I don't have a clear player on the rise but I'm going to give kind of like an over again I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to kind of give like an overview of, of an idea here I think that some players plural on the rise are going to be Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison, and MVS. And I know that that's like whole, half of the offense. But I think one of the like silver linings to this game is that we saw offense from places other than Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones You know, tonight. We, we got some other pieces going. And so I think if we can build on that going forward, I would say player on the rise being mostly Jimmy Graham and the fact that I think that the Packers saw tonight what he can be for them if they utilize him in a way that they should. And that probably means keeping him off the field in places where he's going to kill him and putting him in places where they, they can definitely open up the middle of the field and give him the ball down in the red zone and those kinds of things. So I would think that this is a game where the offense can kind of build from saying we didn't get the results we wanted as far as a win, but we can see how if we can get all these offensive pieces moving in the right direction, we could have something pretty nice here with those other pieces. So hopefully that ends up being the case and we see that going forward. And as a side note, I thought it was hilarious that they ran a jet sweep to Geronimo Allison. <laughs> and, he, and he picked up seven yards because everybody was accusing him of being the most unathletic player in the NFL. Yeah. Which he's not a track star by any means. No. Yeah. You know, that was a nice play. Yeah, nice play. No one was expecting it. So, you know, illusion of complexity.
can we can we actually talk about I know historically when we've done post games we, we we've done the what were you thinking award yeah. can I just bring one thing up yeah I thought it was totally off the rocker to go for it on fourth and one from the one and I know everybody loves when the coach is aggressive they love it right, right. it's great <laughs> you had three opportunities from one yard out and you got nothing you didn't run the ball a single time which whatever that's fine if that's what you're doing you're trying to catch them off guard you've been getting blown off the line of scrimmage all game cool don't run it but then kick the field goal on fourth down that changes so much those last eight minutes and i just you know i i get the lack of aggressiveness was kind of mike mccarthy's achilles heel and a lot of younger coaches are willing to go for it and they probably have way more advanced statistics than i'll ever see in my life but in that opportunity, you just gotten stoned three straight downs. Your offense looks lost from the red zone for whatever reason as they're moving it up and down the field. Just take the three points. Let's see what happens. That's just my philosophy. Okay, so Andrew, we're actually Trash going me. to slightly Trash disagree me. here. Trash me, Kyle. <laughs> it's uh, midnight here in Michigan, and I am... Uh, I don't know if I have any trashing you and me at this point, but hey, so normally I would totally agree with you. Take the points. But in this situation and where I think that Matt LaFleur is probably thinking that this is probably what he needs to do, this defense has not shown the ability to get off the field, eh? but also stop the run in any capacity. So I think if he thinks that if he goes for it here, he at least if he scores, he forces them to pass, which is what they've had success doing throughout the game is stopping the pass to a certain extent. If he kicks the field goal, it encourages them to run the ball, which is what they haven't done, you know, successfully to stop the run. So for me, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like if, if you don't get the points here and you just, you have the field goal, you're probably encouraging them to run the ball and, and seeing more of that. So I can see where he's coming from there. But again, again, if you have those three points, it does change the rest of the game. So I think you're kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. But uh, I'm, I typically usually side with you on those conservative decisions. Let's, let's get the points and get out of here and see if our defense can help us out. But you always wish that your defense had given you a little bit more evidence throughout the game that that was going to be the case. Okay, well then, that in mind, super quick follow-up question. Packers score that last touchdown. Are they going for two? I don't think that they would have. I don't think with the success that they'd had on offense, and like you said, you, they couldn't really run, so you're probably expecting pass. I think that they would have taken it to overtime, especially given that the Packers didn't feel like the team that was losing that game, even in all the weirdness. I think they would have taken it to overtime. What do you think? I The right decision is kicking an extra point because the, the Eagles are down to two cornerbacks at that point, and you have to trust that your offense hopefully is going to get the ball at some point during that overtime yeah. period. So, yeah, I think it, they they would kick the extra point. But I just wanted to test out just how risky you were willing to be. And my <laughs> voice just cracked like I'm going through puberty, so it's probably time to stop the podcast. Oh. I would just encourage fans out there, temper your frustrations a little bit. Yeah. The Packers are 3-1. and one. Things are okay. Somebody between the Vikings and Bears is going to lose this weekend. Amen. Maybe the Lions will. I don't know. But (laughs) 
the Packers are are a very very young team. They have a lot of bright things in their future. I still think this is a really good coaching staff, and I think we're going to continue to see improvements throughout the season. The offense looked good. The defense didn't. We've seen the defense look really good. So they, I think they just need to get on the same pages, uh, page, and the special teams needs to play better. That's a good but, summary of all the things that we need, Andrew. Let's let's just hope it all comes together. We just together. need good offense, defense, and special yeah. teams, and coaching, and fans. That's all we need. Is that too hard to ask for? Is that too much? But it is late, and I <laughs> sound like this. So that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Murdick. Please go out and follow us. Um, and comment on this and you know if you need somebody to vent your frustrations to we're the people <laughs> remember to also follow at packaday podcast please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by jason and paul and they're going to be breaking down some game changing plays and performances you can catch kyle and myself every single friday we're going to be back next week and we'll be talking about the packers upcoming week five home game against the dallas cowboys thanks for listening and remember Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.